Adam just has written down, Chris Paul is the greatest athlete in the history of the universe. Spot the lie. Spot the lie. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode six. Six, Adam, do you hear that? You got it wrong last week. We are on episode six of Burners and Basketball. Um, if you've been listening to us, we just want to say thank you. It's really means a lot. We've had a lot of fun doing it and we're happy to be getting the feedback and commentary from y'all that we have decided to, to dedicate an entire episode to what you guys think. Um, before we get into that, do not forget to email us anything at burnersandbasketball at gmail.com. You can tweet your hot takes always at Hashtag burner take. Follow us on Twitter, burners and b-ball. And Adam, introduce us, bring us into today's topic or layout. And first of all, how are you doing, Adam? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing well. Uh, yeah, so okay, as Molly yeah. said, uh, when you want to submit a burner take of your own, tweet it at us, put the hashtag burner take. Uh, and so we got a bunch of people who did that earlier today. And we are going to dedicate this episode to going through everyone's burner takes. Yeah, because we want to hear from you guys. I mean, the whole point of this podcast isn't just for us to ramble every week. We want it to be very focused on perspectives from fans. Um, and we are fans, believe it or not. We're not. <laughs> we're just like you guys. We're just fans doing a podcast here. And you guys gave us some good hot takes that we want to discuss. And I feel like ever, we'll get into the topics of the week throughout your hot takes. Adam, let's let's hear the first hot take. All right. Uh, so this one comes from Richie, who put hashtag burner take. He says, Steph is the best in the NBA, and it's not even close. Uh, the best so what? <laughs> the best player in the NBA. I know what he means. I'm and... Just- uh, I'm glad he brought he he said this because we should talk about Steph, who is on an unbelievable stretch right now. Uh, he's made 44 threes in his last five games, which is like one of the most insane stats I've ever seen. It's obviously a record. And the Warriors had a crazy game against the Celtics on Saturday night. Um, I don't. I'm not mad at this take. You know, like it's. it's I'm not either. It's, I like it. You know, do I agree with it? Probably not quite. But Steph has been unbelievable recently and has had an amazing year. Um, and I think there is a case still that nobody makes their team better the way Steph does because there's so much attention that's put on him. Even when he doesn't have the ball, defenses are always watching him, and that makes things so much easier for the rest of his team. Right, and I mean, the fact that the Warriors are still in contention for the playoffs is pretty unbelievable considering they don't have clay they've got a bunch of guys who are you know and then they got their rookie who's been pretty much not healthy throughout the whole season so the fact that they're even like they're like right behind the grizzlies the grizzlies have the eight seed right now the warriors are a step they're above the pelicans i mean and you know i agree that i like that he said that because i don't think I'm confident to say that because I don't necessarily agree with it. But like you said, I don't hate it. I mean, when are we going to like admit how much on a different level? It's almost like 
you never want to say like a guy is the best player because when shooting is his thing, you know, you want to call him the best shooter, but at what point are you on such a high level of shooting that it's like, it doesn't even matter what else you're doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not even a burner take to say that Steph is the best shooter of all time. It seems pretty obvious to everyone at this point. Uh, it really is just like unbelievable. Some of the shots he hits, uh, if you watch that awesome Golden State Boston game that was on Saturday night, you saw him hit, you know, quite a few insane shots. Uh, and yeah, like exactly like you said, you know, uh, people are sometimes hesitant to talk about a shooter among you know the elite and in the MVP race. But for Steph to have them pretty comfortably in the playoff race, probably going to be in one of the play-in games. Uh, given the the lack of talent elsewhere on that roster, <laughs> you said it, not me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, to take that roster into the playoffs is really a tremendous feat for for anyone, let alone someone like Steph, who just makes things so much easier for all of his teammates. I mean, and I love being able to finally like admit how much I enjoy Steph Curry and how I think he's just like the most wonderful one of the most wonderful things to happen to professional basketball in so long, because when KD was on that team, I was, I just couldn't do it. And I, you know, I still don't like Draymond. I really don't. But now that, that that team is broken up, I'm finally able to watch them and not like actively root against them, which is great. Cause I've always really liked stuff. Yeah, it is. It is. It's definitely a different feel when, you know, they're, they've kind of embraced the underdog status because they've lost so many guys. Clay is out again for second year in a row. Obviously, they don't have Kevin Durant anymore. They don't have Iguodala. They don't have Sean Livingston. You could go on and on. Uh, But, you know, Steph is still Steph. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people before the season and early on in the season kind of assumed that since everybody was gone but Steph, they weren't a playoff team. But they're pretty firmly in the race now. Uh, and, you know, that's large in part thanks to how good Steph has been. So, you know, is he the best player in the NBA? And it's not even close. I don't know. Uh, but I'm glad somebody said this because mm-hmm. Steph does deserve more recognition than he's getting when we're talking about, you know, who's in the MVP race and who the best players in the league are. Yeah, um, there was another burner take involving the Warriors. Pat Benson said that he believes criticism of Steve Kerr's comments is unwarranted. So basically Steve Kerr made some comments about James Wiseman. He has been making a lot of comments. I mean, when you're a coach and your rookie who was the second pick is consistently getting injured, you know, you're going to be asked a lot of questions about it, but his quote to me and a lot of Warriors fans and just NBA fans just feel as if they're very weird. And to me, they seem very, they're honestly disappointing to me. I, I don't agree with that hot take. Uh, I mean, I see what you mean, I guess, in terms of being honest with the media. But when Steve Kerr is saying, oh, we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. Oh, are you guys like confident? And or do you feel like confident in what's going to happen with his return? You know, we don't know. It's like if I'm James Wiseman and I'm seeing my coach kind of diss me by by not defending me. I don't know. It's. I think it's a bad look. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't even necessarily disagree with what he said, but I agree with you that even if that's, you know, the way you feel, you got to have your guys back publicly. 
I don't see how it helps anybody for Steve Kerr to say that all it does is put more pressure on Wiseman that, you know, he might not be prepared for. Um, So, you know, I was I was never a big James Wiseman guy, and I was hoping they would pick someone else, likely LaMelo Ball, when they had the second pick in the draft. But even then, you know, I get why he might say something like this in private, but publicly you got to have your guys back. And that doesn't mean... So here's the quote. Yeah, why don't you read the quote? Yeah, he said, we just don't have a sense of how raw he would be because we only had three college games of his, okay? And then when asked if he thinks he could speed up to match the timeline of their three core guys, he said, that's a great question. We don't know the answer. Yeah. Those comments to me aren't awful, but I don't like them. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know... I've always been kind of skeptical about Wiseman, like I was saying before. Uh, But, you know, when you're the coach of the team, especially someone like Steve Kerr, who has so much respect around the league now, you just got to have your guys back. Just say, you know, Mm -hmm. we we love the kid. We believe he's going to help us for a long time and leave it at that. I don't see how, you know, anyone benefits from this because now there's just more frustration with Kerr and a team that, you know... uh, a lot of people thought would be better than they are. Uh, and a player in Wiseman who's going to have all this pressure on him that, you know, he could eat, be, he could do much better to not have on him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's interesting kind of seeing, I don't know if people have always disliked Kerr, but there's definitely been, I mean, I think it's hard to dislike a coach when you're winning like every single year. I don't think any team, but I think it's interesting to see, people kind of turn on him and say, is he actually a good coach? I mean, you see the way he's handling this Wiseman situation. They don't think he develops young guys well. Was he able to win because he stepped in and had that talent already? And I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad. Again, I'm glad that was brought up. Uh, And I, I tend to agree with Pat in that I don't think what Kerr said was wrong. Uh, but I do think it's just not smart to say stuff like that publicly because you should always just have your guys back in those conversations you can have internally. Yeah, but it, it's not the it's not just those comments. I've been thinking this for weeks. I've seen just any like media availability when he talks about Wiseman. It's just it's just off. Something's very off there. And I mean, the Grizzlies. Me trying to find a way to bring the Grizzlies into the conversation. I mean, Jaron Jackson is an example of a young guy who has been hurt um, for a good bit of his time here. And whenever Taylor Jenkins, our coach, is asked about Jaron, you know, he would never be like, oh, I don't know if Jaron can can come back and be good. Of course, you know what I mean? Like, right. yeah, we're very excited to get Jaron back. Jaron's huge. Jaron's a fantastic player. That It's so easy right. to, like, not exactly be Should, weird about it, it. it. He could so easily just say, you know, he's had an up-and-down season – you know, hopefully he gets healthy soon. We're really excited to have him as part of the group and we think he'll continue to develop. Like, you know, and that's just me coming up with coach speak from the top of my head. Like Steve Kerr yeah. certainly knows how to avoid controversies like this. So it, it's just a little weird that he's expressed as much, you know, I don't know if frustration is the right word, but he's, you know, he's talked about it in a rather negative tone for, you know, quite a while yeah. now. And all it's going to do is make things harder for Wiseman who, you know, already looks like he's in a situation where there's too much pressure on him. Uh, and now all you're doing is adding more. Yeah. 
Um, you're going to like this hot take, Adam. Uh, okay, so Dylan says that the Suns are going to make the finals. And I know that is something you would love to talk about. So let me give you the floor here. Yeah. Yeah. Well then, so the, the Suns right now, as we're recording this are 40 and 16, which is the second best record in the NBA. Uh, and as the world's number one, Chris Paul fan, I have just had so much fun watching them all year because they have so many good players. They all fit really well together. Wait, I'm laughing so hard, y'all. On these notes for our podcast, like Adam just has written down, Chris Paul is the greatest athlete in the history of the universe. Spot the lie. Notes. Spot the lie. Like that's that's what he's going off of that, right yeah, now. That is, and- that is true. That is in my notes here. Chris Paul is the greatest athlete in the history of the universe. I don't know. I feel like it, there's a chance that that's true. But uh, yeah, Chris Paul I've loved for a very long time. And it's just so impressive that he's going from team to team and helping them improve massively even at this age uh, and he's arguably been the best player on the second best team in the NBA uh, it really it really is a joy for me to watch him and see him continue to succeed and I would really love for him to get a title uh, you know if I could pick one guy in the league who hasn't won a championship to see win one I would pick um, Chris Paul um you wouldn't pick Joel Embiid or <laughs> uh I uh I'll give me Chris Paul I really Okay, you guys heard it here first. Adam would rather the Suns win a championship than his team. Sixers Adam is I'm trying to get you canceled so badly. Like that is my goal with this I'll podcast. I'll just join want, Suns Twitter and be Suns Adam. It'll work perfectly. Adam, you are like, oh my God, you're trying to be like the Joker today. Huh. Do you want people to come for your head? I'm so confused. Okay, this is not a burner take, but Adam talked about the Suns, and we always talk about the Suns. So I want to talk about another point guard who I want to throw in, sorry, I had to like, I like had a big breath. I want to throw in another point guard and it's my own burner take. And it's that Russell Westbrook is just wonderful. And I had this realization the other day that before Giannis was the freak, I called Russell Westbrook the freak. I like forgot about that. That was like my personal nickname for Russell Westbrook. And it so fits him. Yeah. This is my ADD brain being like, uh, don't you agree, though? Like, Giannis I, is big, and he's a freak, but, like, Russell Westbrook is such a damn freak. Yeah, the way that he he just plays, like, at a different energy than anyone else. Like, he is always full speed. And when you're playing Russell Westbrook, it's like, oh, man, I have to guard Russell Westbrook tonight. This is going to be awful. Uh, he brings that kind of energy that, uh, that most players can't in any sport, really. He's one of the most energetic athletes I can think of, you know, in my entire life. Yeah. Uh, and he's been really good for the Wizards, who are now making a push to uh, get into the play-in game. Uh, and it seems like they have a real shot with, you know, Bradley Beal, you know, being the scoring leader in the league. And Westbrook has been awesome recently. He's averaging now just about 22-11-11, and 11, which is just hilariously good. Uh, I think, yeah. especially because he's been on some not great teams recently we have started to forget how productive he is on a night-to-night basis. Uh, And, you know, I say this as someone who was never particularly big on Westbrook to begin with. Uh, But, you know, his consistency, uh, you know, as far as his all-around game goes, is is pretty remarkable. Okay, another thing I noticed this week. Oh, this is the most, like, it's me just wanting to talk about ridiculous, silly things because that is this podcast. 
don't you feel like we kind of collectively forget like how cool dunking is because we see it so much dunking is very cool dunking is cool you heard it here we are endorsing dunking i mean i'm just like watching this john Morant dunk and his head is like above the rim yeah and i'm like like it's not gonna go viral you know it's not gonna be but i'm watching it and i'm uh, he's not tall for an nba player and and then i literally this is funny i stood up by myself and jumped (laughs) (laughs) me like my cat's looking at me like molly what is wrong with you um I jumped in my living room and was like, yeah, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, Jaw is one of those guys who like defies gravity with some of the dunks he pulls off. And every Jaw Morant dunk scares me so bad because he does not know uh-huh. how to land. And it's just a horrible accident waiting to happen. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there the the amount of... No, don't say that because you jinxed Jamal Murray on our last... You oh, said something no. about Jamal Murray and now I don't... Take it back right now. Right, I, res- I rescind my comment about about John Moran. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, we're welcome. carrying on. Wow, he just tried to curse my point guard. That is just wait. Does this mean I curse Chris okay. Paul? Does this mean you curse Chris Paul? Stop. No, it's just you didn't. Okay. We can't. That means we can't talk about anyone because they're all just yeah. cursed. I don't want to. It's cause Adam any Silver's injuries, fault, yeah. Adam. It's 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 yeah. the other Adam's fault. That's right. Yeah. Um, so speaking of John Morant, this other hot take is about John Morant and Fernand Rex says that RJ Barrett is better than John Morant. Uh, Molly, why don't you take this one? I, I think you're uniquely equipped to answer this. No, why don't you take it? Because I'm like biased. I want you as like an NBA mind okay. to take this. Uh, well, I think first of all, I've been really, uh, excited about the way that RJ Barrett has played so far this series shooting way better from three. He's been much more efficient, getting more rebounds, getting more assists. He's averaging over 17 points a game. He's a real part of a Knicks team that is a really tough team to beat on a given night, uh, and they're going to probably coast their way into the playoffs. Uh, So while I am a huge fan of RJ and give him tons of credit, uh, I still don't think he's in the same sphere as John Morant, who has had a, a down year relative to, I think, what we all wanted to see from him. He's been much less efficient. Uh, and, you know, he didn't make that kind of superstar leap that I think people wanted him to make. But still, based on what we've seen from Jaw the last couple of years, uh, I still give him the edge over RJ, which is not a slight at all to RJ Barrett because Ja Morant's one of the better young players that we've had in the league in a while. Uh, so RJ, I think, is going to be a good player and has shown me a lot this year and on a very fun team to watch. Uh, but I do think Jaw is still ahead. Uh, and I would imagine you agree with me. I do agree with you. And I agree that Jaw has not had the leap that we thought he would. However, I mean, if you look at it, the Memphis Grizzlies are sitting in the eighth seed in his second year without our second best player. Well, well, Jonas Valanciunas is like our best player, but I love Jonas Valanciunas. Oh my God. We could spend a whole episode talking about Jonas. Like, I like he is my favorite Grizzly right now. I'm just I love that. I, I mean, can we talk about how underrated he is? Jonas Valanciunas, like every se- seemingly every player on the Grizzlies, is underrated, and I would kill to have one of them on my team. 
it's Stop like it. literally like when you're when Tillman is like the one who's like being slid out of the rotation when Jaron gets back, like you know that yeah, their their whole team. team from like you know obviously John Moran and Jaron Jackson are super fun and JV I've always loved and like you know Desmond Bain and Xavier Tillman were like two of my favorite Kyle prospects. Anderson Kyle who uh, Kyle Anderson is awesome uh, Dylan Brooks hits a ton of threes it's it's a really interesting team. Uh, it's very, yeah. they're one of my favorites to watch and hopefully this is not me cursing them. Otherwise you oh might be God. finding a new podcast co-host. That's why you strategically said that you didn't want the Sixers to win the finals because you don't want to curse them. Ah, yes. Just we'll pretend, pretend that I'm that smart. Yeah. So yeah, Jonas Valanciunas is literally the best big man in the league who is not a star, all-star. And I stand by that. Yeah, I mean, he's having an awesome year. He's averaging 17 points and 12 and a half rebounds per game. I'd imagine that's very high in the rebounding leaderboards. He's just such a consistent player. You know you're going to get he's, some scoring. You know you're going he's going to grab a bunch of rebounds. You know he can protect the rim. There's just a level of comfort there, I think. And you could probably speak to this better than I can, but I would imagine that when you're rooting for JV, there's just like a level of comfort knowing what you're going to get from him. Yeah, I mean, I've never... I've never seen on my team a more consistent player than Jonas Valanciunas. Like, you know what you're going to get every single night. Like, even if, like, the guy, it's a bad matchup for him, if he's playing against a big that whatever he struggles with, like, that's, like, the rare occasion you're not going to get, like, peak JV, but you're still getting very um, good, solid JV. Like, we had Marcus Gasol before, and you will never hear me bash Marcus Gasol because I love Marcus Gasol, but Marcus Gasol was not consistent. Um, he was unbelievable he was remarkable but he was never a consistent guy every night he didn't um he didn't show up with the same effort sometimes it felt like he kind of had to be shaken so seeing a guy like jv uh come in when we had to get rid of mark and then the raptors got to win their ring with him i just i'm so happy with that trade and oh my god we strayed completely away from Huh. The yeah. conversation of point. My point is that John Morant is leading a team in his second year. And weirdly, first of all, he's developing a three point shot, which is very huge. But if you look at the games that we win, he typically has less points because he kind of, he's not a guy who wants to come out every night and just score 40. You know, that's not the type of player he is. So it's like, and which, and I'm not saying that means jaw. Jaw only scores a ton when he feels like he needs to. You know, when other guys aren't stepping up, like Jaw will drive to the basket every time. But I think that when he sees that other players are on, he's able to like control the entire offense and win us a lot of games, which so yeah, I don't think RJ is better than him to finish. Yeah, I yeah, again, mm-hmm. I'm I've I think RJ has had a really nice year and looks like he's developing very well. But yeah, I agree. Even with Jaw having a bit of a down year, I think. They're just on different levels right now. Agreed, agreed. What is next? Uh, I can uh, read one of these. So from Chris, uh, he Chris believes that the Nets are going to be a second-round playoff exit. And so the Nets are one of the weirder teams to discuss because they seemingly never have all of their guys playing at once. Either Harden's out, and then Harden comes back, and Durant is out, and then Kyrie's gone for some personal reasons, and they never, I think they've only played like three or four games with 
with Durant and Harden and Kyrie together. That's crazy. Uh, and it's costing them, you know, it's going to help when they're, you know, hopefully healthier in the playoffs, but it's probably going to cost them the one seed, which means, you know, the Sixers will get it. And then Brooklyn is looking at a second round matchup against Milwaukee. And those are two teams that you would think are way too good to get bounced in the second round. But uh, whoever has the one seed is going to have, you know, a pretty easy path. And meanwhile, Brooklyn and Milwaukee, if if we assume that Philly holds on to it, those teams are going to eat each other alive for seven games. Yeah. And that's going to be a really, you know, even with the, you know, we all can laugh at the Bucks choking in the playoffs the last few years. That's a really good team. Uh, and to play them in the second round, you know, I think it's totally possible that the Nets run into the Bucks. Maybe they're still not at full health. And, you know, they lose to a team that's, you know, has much more continuity. They've been playing together for, you know, the last three, four years. Uh, so that's going to be really interesting to me. Um, if I had to guess if this happens or not, I would say no. I think Brooklyn probably is too much talent. But I think it's totally possible uh, for, you know, the exact reasons I just laid out. Yeah, and I think that they have too many guys that, like, have been in these high-stake um, have had playoff experiment, experiments experience before. So like they could turn it on, you know, if another guy is down, I think another player can turn it, turn it on to where like KD, if, if Harden's not playing or whatever, KD can just light it up and completely take the team in his hands. I think you have two, three guys who can pick up the team and put them in their hands. But I also don't think that's a ridiculous or dumb hot take. It could happen. I mean, people always joke about the Nets defense. That is an issue. Yep. What if what if something, you know, Kyrie's personal stuff or and then KD's out, it's just Harden. I mean, another team is going to have multiple stars. And yeah, it could happen. Yeah, and it could happen. I think it's also worth noting, like, even if they have Kyrie and Durant and Harden at the same time, like those guys will still very much be learning how to play together because they've still barely played with each other at all. So that's going to, mm-hmm. there's still going to be an adjustment that they're going to have to make during the playoffs. And, you know, assuming they probably get an easy sweep or five game series win in the first round, all of a sudden that's only a few games. And then you're heading into, you know, likely is going to be Milwaukee. Uh, yeah. You know, with that, with that level of experience and that level of, you know, horrible defense against a team with guys like Giannis, Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez spacing the four for all of them. Obviously, Drew Holiday was their big pickup. Uh, P.J. Tucker. I mean, they've got tons of players who help, and that's why they've been very good for the last few years. Yeah, so to bring in another hot take, we have two hot takes, I'm noticing, kind of dissing on the Utah Jazz, who are the best team in the league right now, um, record-wise. And... So let's let's hear about them. One, Brad says that the Utah Jazz have no chance to win the title, and somebody else, KAM, says that the Pelicans will make the Western Conference Finals before the Jazz do. Okay, no, 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 I don't agree with that at all. I mean, hmm. at all. I'll start with the second one. The Pelicans will not be touching the Western Conference Finals for a long time, in my opinion. Uh, for some reason, we are seeing them struggle despite Zion being as good as he is. And more importantly, 
the Jazz are so good, you guys. Like, why are we? I know there's the jokes like Utah, annoying, whatever. I, I can laugh at them as much as the next guy, unless it's at Mike Conley's expense. But y'all, the Jazz are so good. Like, Adam, can you back me up here? I mean, yeah, now, regrettably, yeah, I hate to say it, good. but this Jazz team is excellent. And I would be, uh, you know, if they go out early, I would be almost shocked. Um, I'm not saying that they're my pick to win the finals, but they have been the best team in the NBA for pretty much this entire season. They've got three all-star caliber players this year and guys like Boyan Bogdanovich and Royce O'Neal, guys who really helped them, Derek Favors, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, And Jordan Clarkson, who's probably going to win six man of the year. Uh, So I, you know, when it's time to joke at Utah's expense, a hundred percent count me in (laughs) every time. But yeah. if we're being serious, that team is excellent. And that team is so good. You know, that's a team with three guys who made the all-star game with a guy who's going to win six man of the year. Rudy Gobert is probably going to win defensive player of the year. And, you know, to, to have Rudy the, Gobert, he has this like unique ability to just like stop things from happening that like a lot of people don't have, like you can just watch him and like, he can just decide like, no, this person's not going to shoot. This person's not going to yeah. make a shot. His arms are so long. Yeah, his wingspan is, is so, ridiculous. His wingspan's insane. And like, just him alone. I mean, people don't like to give him the credit. We've talked about that. But like, when he's in the paint, like, it's, it's, he is in control. And then you add all those other guys you just said. I mean, I don't know. I don't think that these jazz haters. I think they're going to be disappointed when they see that the Utah Jazz are not a farce and that they are very good. Although, Adam, what is the deal with Donovan Mitchell's injury? I'm forgetting. So so, many are happening. They just, like, blend together. Yeah, so I'm not sure we have an official timetable, but it doesn't seem like it's going to be that serious of an injury. Like, it seems like he'll be back before the playoffs in time, which is really the the key thing, especially because they probably almost have the one seed locked up at this point with how good they've been all year. And it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how they adapt without him. Obviously, the ball will be in Mike Conley's hands more. Jordan Clarkson, Joe Ingles, who I forgot to mention before. That's that's kind of the scary thing is they lose their best. Oh God, perimeter yeah, I scorer. forgot about Joe Ingles. They right, they lose their best perimeter scorer, and they still have, you know, Jordan Clarkson is going to win Sixth Man of the Year. They still have, uh, I just totally blanked on who the Jazz have. You just named them all, so you don't need to name them again. But yeah, they have a bunch of people, and they're good, and they're and they're they have so much depth. Um, yeah, the, between in Conley and Ingles and Clarkson, it's it's just such a good team that them going out early would be very surprising to me. Uh, even though, like, I would say, you know, if they play the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals, for example, I would probably pick the Lakers, assuming LeBron and AD are both healthy. But, Which is crazy but, that, like, we all, like, yeah. have that much confidence in a healthy yeah. LeBron yeah. and AD. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think I get why there's skepticism there. And I certainly get why there are all constant mm-hmm. jokes being made, uh, which I'm, again, totally on board with. Uh, but regrettably, this is an extremely good team. Yeah. Um, should we do one more? Before we yeah. cut it off. Mm-hmm. Okay, so somebody said that Shay is a top 20 NBA player. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I would say he's not there yet, 
but he's going to get there soon. Uh, before he went down, his stats this year were pretty incredible. He's averaging almost 24 points a game, six assists, five rebounds. He's been really efficient, shooting more threes than he ever has at a much better efficiency level than he had before. Career high in free throw attempts per game. He's just been awesome this year, and it's a shame that he went down, and now OKC is just like outwardly tanking every single game, it feels like. Uh, But, you know, the good news is that if they do that, they'll get another awesome young talent to put with Shea, who, you know, to be doing what he's doing right now in year three at only 22 years old to be scoring the way he is, is hugely impressive. So is he top 20 right now? I lean no. Uh, He still could get, you know, he could get more efficient. He could become a better defensive player. He could probably become a little better as a passer and, and like, you know, a pure point guard kind of way. Uh, But I think it's almost unquestionable that he'll be there very soon uh, if he's not already. Uh, Shea is awesome. And and I enjoy watching him so much because he just plays at a different speed than everyone else. He just kind of dictates the pace of the game and has all these crafty moves that other guys don't use to score at the Mm -hmm. rim. He's always been able to, you know, when I, well, as a, as someone who watches every Joel Embiid game ever, uh, guys do not score on him at the rim very often. And SGA can actually go at Embiid and score on him. And he's done it multiple times. Uh, so yeah, I mean, is he top 20 now? I don't know. That seems like probably jumping the gun a little bit to me. Yeah, I agree. But he is so much fun to watch. And if he's not in the top 20 now, he will be soon. Okay, I changed my mind. Well done, Adam. You took. I let you take that one away. Thank <laughs> you. Okay, this is actually the last one. Um, somebody said that Adam Sixers Adam would beat Joel Embiid one v one. Yeah, that, I mean, that, is that even a burner take? I feel like that's just a main <laughs> no. account take. Right, y'all. We asked for we asked for burner takes, yeah. not obvious statements. I don't even need to put that on my burner. I can just go straight up on the main account. Exactly. Um, you guys, there are a lot more that we did not get, we're not able to get to. And so maybe we'll do this every so often where we can just spend whole episodes reacting to your burner takes. Um, we appreciate all of them a lot. It was very fun. You guys have some hot takes. Don't forget to continue to hashtag burner take on whenever you have a hot take, cause we will be checking that hashtag and We could mention them on the show. We don't forget to email us at burnersandbasketball at gmail.com and to follow us, Burners and B-Ball, on Twitter. Adam, it's your time to shine. Here's the the awkward and confused because I don't know what to say (laughs) outro to the podcast. There we go. Thank you guys for listening.